everyone. Welcome to this Invincibly Supermassive comic book podcast of stuff. I am Tony Guerrero, editor-in-chief of ComicVine.com, and I, I'm super excited. I'm going to be a little unprofessional this episode, but I have the one and only Daryl DMC McDaniels. How you doing? Hey, what's up, T? How you doing? Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. I, I'm excited. So first, I, I guess I should thank you for your, your love of comics and putting out a comic to give me the opportunity to talk to you. Well, I mean, it was all bound to happen. This is, um, it was already written in the stars and the great comic book of the universe. Tony and Daryl speaking one day was already written <laughs> and drawn and illustrated and penciled <laughs> way back when. So <laughs> it's not, um, you know, it's not coincidence that we are here speaking together. And it's all possible because of comic books. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it, it's, 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 been, it's been a strange, strange road. And, you know, I, I still remember that day when I, I bought the cassette of Raising Hell and, and just listened uh-huh. to it and listened to it, listened to it. And so, yeah. So, and well, now, you know, the, the funny thing that you say that is um, all through... I guess the 90s, you know, when I would meet other rappers and I would meet even musicians, you know, and I would meet um, actors and I would meet, you know, the person in Starbucks and the pilot of the airplane. And, you know, all through the 90s up to now, people would always say, man, you guys are like our superheroes. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) You know, Run DMC, LL Cool J, Public Enemy B. You know, they was like, you know, the, the old school. They was like, you guys were like our superheroes. And you got to hear something. Me, before I even picked up the microphone, Grandmaster Flash, Africa, mm-hmm. Ben and the Zulu Nation, The Furious Five, Treacherous Three, Cold Crush 4 MC, Funky 4 Plus One, Busy B, Starsky, Spoonie G, the Grand Wizard Theodore, the Fantastic Five, everybody before Run DMC, those MCs and those DJs were like superheroes to us. The names, I mean, and even for them, it was crazy because the first rappers had no rappers to look up to. So when they started in show business, I mean, they were our superheroes before I even was able to see them, before rap was ever allowed to go in the studio and be put on cassette and vinyl. They were my superheroes just listening to them from the boombox. But then when they went in the showbiz and they took the stage, they wasn't like me running Public Enemy in L.A. We wore what the young people were wearing in the streets. The first MCs like Grandmaster Flash, Africa Bambada, for example, when they took the stage, the first rappers had no rappers to look up to, so they dressed like the Rolling Stones, <laughs> Parliament, Funkadelic, and all the rock stars. So when you look at early pictures of them, they got on these elaborate costumes because Parliament, Funkadelic, the Rolling Stones, Rick James, and um, Billy Idol and all those guys were there. So to see them in person was even crazier because they had on these crazy outfits. <laughs> and the thing that is significant with me is before hip-hop even came over the bridge, um, I went to Catholic school my whole life. I was a straight-A honor roll 
something I love bragging about when I go speak at high schools and middle schools. <laughs> I went to Catholic school my whole life. I was a straight-A student, five and six stars on the forehead, always on the honor roll. But I would go to school, I would come home, and my whole existence was comic books. And all I used to do as a little boy was go buy my comic books. Marvel was my favorite because the significance with Marvel was this. I lived in New York City. Marvel always showed New York City. I live in Queens, so Marvel would show me places in New York City, especially Manhattan, that I wasn't even allowed to go to. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So Marvel was so close to me. It showed where I lived at. And um, I used to take tracing paper, and, I, and everybody I spoke to about comic books, and a lot of the artists that draw the date for Marvel and DC, they said, D, that's what we did. <laughs> you take the tracing paper, and you would trace all your favorite superheroes and villains until one day you're able to pick up the pencil, and you know you don't need to use the tracing paper. <laughs> so for me, that's all I did was a kid. I go to school, come home, do my comic books. Go to school, come home, do my comic books. Go to school, come home, do my comic books and my drawing thing. If you listen to King of Rock, this is 1985. This is King of Rock is my second album, not my first. There's a rhyme on King of Rock where DJ Run, Run, Reverend Run, who's the Reverend now, he, he was a DJ before he started rapping, per se, with me. And on King of Rock, he says, I'm DJ Run, I could scratch. I go, I'm DMC, I could draw. That's all I did. You know what I'm saying? But. Um, hip-hop comes over the bridge. I hear Grandmaster Flash. I just wanted to be a DJ, but then when I heard the Furious Five and then I heard the Co-Crush Four, it was the MCs that made me put down the pencil and pick up the microphone. But when I picked up the microphone, it was just for make-believe. It was all pretend. It was like when I was little playing with my army men and my G.I. Joe and my big gems. And when Run, whose brother Russell, before Rock Records was being made, Russell's, Run's brother Russell Simmons was managing the early DJs and MCs. And Run, as a little kid, was right there. So when Russell's, um, the, when the MCs, you know, Curtis Blow, uh, Jimmy Spice, or Houdini, when, the, when, the, when the, the acts that Russell was managing was getting these record deals. Run was a 12-year-old kid, and Russell there, you know, I want to make a record, I want to make a record. So finally, Run got to make the record, and he remembered from coming over my house just to play basketball, that kid, Darryl McDaniel, has got a crazy imagination. He got comic books. All he does is write rhymes all day. I need to put him down with me. So when Run came to me and said, Yo, D, whenever Russell lets me make a record, I'm putting you into my group. He spoke those words to me. It was like he was speaking in another language. What the hell are you talking about? This hip-hop DJ thing that we do in the parks and on all the block parties, you know, it's, it's, for them, you know, it's, it's, this, this, this ain't going to never be a like, big business and be on videos and all of that. And for me as a little kid, I was never planning to get up in front of thousands, no, to get up in front of millions of people and start rapping on stage. But when Run finally put me in the group, my confidence and my courage, my delivery, um, my persona, um, my titles, all came from comic. If it wasn't for comic books, I'd have told one, oh, hell no, I ain't getting up there with you. But when I, when I, when I, when he, when I became DMC, comic books always had the invincible Iron Man, the incredible Hulk, 
you know what I'm saying, the mighty Thor, you had these titles. So I said, okay, the first thing that will make me comfortable up on stage doing this thing, doing this make-believe hip-hop fun pretend thing I used to do in my basement in, in, in the bathroom mirror, I got to have a persona. So I became the devastating microtroller, the microphone master. Okay, I got my persona. Then when we put Jay in the group, originally Jay was going to be Jazzy Jay in hip-hop. There's no biting, there's no copycatting, there's no duplicating. I was like, he can't be Jazzy J because there's already a Jazzy J. Africa Bambada and them got the Jazzy J. You can't be Grandmaster because Grandmaster Flash is the Grandmaster. You can't be Grand Wizard because Grand Wizard Theodore is the Grand Wizard. You can't be Grand Mixer because Grand Mixer DST got I said, Jay, give me a day, I'll figure it out for you. So I went home and I was like, his name is Jason. You shorten Jason to J. And then what can be, and it came to me, the jam, the jam master. Now, the jam actually has two meanings. The jam was the record the DJ actually played. Excuse me, DJ, could you play my favorite jam? And the jam was actually the party. Yo, that jam last night was six. I came to Jay next day, and you should have seen his face light up like a little babe. I said, Jay, you're not the grandmaster. You're not the grand mixer. You're not the grand wizard. From now on, you're going to be the Jam Master J. And he looked at me and said, yo, D, that's so, so dope. And then if you listen to all my records, every time I, hear, I heard a beat, I would go, okay, what would the Hulk do on this one? So when I heard the King of Rock beat, it was easy. Crash through walls, come through floors, bust through ceilings, and then knock down doors. Um, um. When I did hit it, run, I'm the devastator, my controller, DMC. And cancel for me. Every rhyme I wrote, every attack on the microphone was me being a superhero attacking all these punk villains in hip-hop. And that's a true story. And it's all relevant because if you talk to Pete Rock, if you talk to Wu-Tang, if you talk to a lot of artists, and if you talk the other day, about two months ago, I was watching PBS TV, and they did this big um, documentary thing on comic books, and who was the, the Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine sitting there talking about comic books? So there's rock stars, there's there's rock stars, there's so many artistic people who who have their artistic creativity um, influenced and even empowered by comic books. So you know, me being DMC, one of the first things that I told Edgardo my editor-in-chief, editor and Riggs Morales, who worked with Eminem, you know, for the longest. He's part of the whole Eminem rise to success and domination and, and um, elevation of the hip-hop culture. Eminem, by the way, who's a big comic book head, too. Mm -hmm. But those two guys was convincing me, yo, D, if anybody could do a comic, you could do it. The first thing I said to them, but I don't want to be another rapper trying to mess up another genre. Because these rappers nowadays, man, they got a lot of balls. They get a hit record, and they think they can go do anything and get into other cultures and stuff like that, and they always mess it up. My comic will not be a hip-hop comic, per se. My comic won't be an a egotistical self-glorification of me just because I'm the king of rock. My comic book is a salute and a tribute to hip um, comic book culture. What I mean by that, 
I want my comic book celebrated because of the artists that do it, the guys that write it, the guys that pencil it, and the people that sit there and help me when I give them the story, make it something that is relatable to all that read it, that all ages can understand, that will break down walls of separation, immigration, procrastination, and all of that. What I'm trying to say is everything that I did with my music, how we touch various people's lives and continent, I want to do through this comic book. And it's not easy for me to do it, but it's already been done because it's not a hip-hop comic book. For 30 years, when I made my first record, I traveled the globe. Everywhere I go, I go to Europe, I go to Asia. Um, I, even years ago, we went to Kiev, where they're Ellen right now. And it was crazy. We played there. It was like 16,000 people, and it was amazing. And, but everywhere I would go, people would come up to me. DMC, I got this hip-hop comic. DMC, here in the States. Oh, for 30 years, everywhere I went, for 30 years, people would come up. To, I got this And then I sat back, and I would wonder why they always failed. And then I found out why. You don't make a hip-hop comic book. You just make a comic. You don't label it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Just because I'm a rapper, I don't want nobody saying, DMC got this hip-hop comic book. No, I don't. It's not the rapping superhero. It's not, you ain't going to have slang words all through it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you ain't going to have none of that. The only thing you're going to have is the style, the flavor, the art, the feel, the flow, and the reality of what hip-hop is. Hip-hop didn't just create rappers. You know, when you read my comic book, you're going to see real graffiti, real graffiti art by a graffiti artist. I don't got the artist drawing the characters and um, doing all the artwork, doing the graffiti. No, I got real graffiti artists to do that. The, the artists who's in my book, they create the universe, the walls, the cars, the characters, the look, the feel to go with each story. But the graffiti that's being written on the wall in my universe is really done by graffiti artists. So I just wanted, when Riggs and Ed said, and another thing you're going to do, you're not going to go to, don't create this and then go to Marvel and go to DC. This would bug me out. You do your own imprint. You do your own um, pu- publication. I was like, yo, 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 slow up, slow up, slow up. And then the only way that they convinced me to really do this was D. Uh, Riggs said this to me, D, what happened when Adidas got with Run DMC and hip hop, um, something good, right? Yeah, yeah, something good. You know, sneaker culture. We was the first non-athletic entity, um, you know, to get a, a sponsorship from an athletic sneaker company, and um, you know, it did something to fashion universally, didn't it? Yeah. What happened when Run DMC got with Aerosmith and put rock and rap together? You know, Steven Tyler broke down the wall in the video. I had no idea that was really going to happen in real life, but it did. And it brought black people and white people together, broke down the walls of separation. He said, the only thing that's going to be good about DMC doing a comic book that's really a comic book is something good. And once they told me that, I said, cool, let's do this. Let's go out and, um, you know, uh, Ed, 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 Ed Gardo. Um, and Riggs, they got a lot of relationships with a lot of artists and people that working with Marvel and DC. So we approached those present artists and writers. Would you like to be part? And it was like these guys, the funny thing about it, when we approached the people, all the artists and writers that helped me with this book and all the guys that, um, you know, are, are at the top of the comic book culture game. When I came with my little idea, they act like little kids, like it's never been done before. <laughs> And then I was like, yo, why are you so eager to do this? Because they said, this is fun. 
Like, this is crazy. This is like, this is crazy. And especially the way that you want to do it. And I guess a lot of the artists and writers that have met with me and participated in this project, you know, I know I heard a lot a couple of years ago, Marvel did some, you know, tried to do some hip hop directed stuff. And, um, you know, a Def Jam, they did the, the Def Jam series where they took all, you know, all the artists and they did the game and all of that. But you mess up, you mess up um, integrity of an artistic entity when you try to go for the commercialization of it. And once something that has integrity does become um, very, very popular, the only thing hard about it, it's not hard to create it and write it and all of that and get the right people on it. The hardest thing is to fight against the pollution of it. And the way hip hop has been polluted because it got so big after, you know, what Run did and what Rakim did and on every level of the elevation that it goes through, one of the main things that Daryl Mix Comics is going to do and fight against is to keep the integrity of our comic book culture intact. Like me coming to this ankle, I don't want it to be, this is how it's supposed to be done, like I missed the know-it-all. I'm not going to, I already know how it's going to be done because DMC, the MC, is that little kid, 12, 13 years old, in Hollis, Queens, New York, in his bedroom, saving his allowance to go to the store to buy the new Defenders and to buy the new Deathlock. The last comic book series I, I, I brought was Deathlock. And then my whole life changed with hip-hop. So I just wanted to say, you speaking to me and you remember going out to buy um, Raising Hell cassette, it was all part of it. <laughs> wow. So uh, now, are, are you reading anything currently? Like, because, you know, comics have changed over the years. And, uh, you know, like like you, I, I grew up mainly on Marvel. And, you know, I was reading some DC because, you know, they had like, you know, Batman and Superman. And, you know, so, of course... Uh, right, exactly. Same, right. Same thing. You you read DC just because you had to. <laughs> yeah, I and mean, Batman was a little cooler than Superman. Uh-huh. And the reason why I mean by that because Batman was dark. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Batman, you know, did bad, or just something about his look and stuff like that. Superman was cool because the funny thing about Superman is this: um, I think. Um, the TV, the old TV shows with George Reeves, mm-hmm. I think that was the guy that yeah. played Superman. Yeah. Like the old school Superman with Jimmy Olsen and Lois Lane. I grew up as a kid watching that. So for me, you know, it was Underdog. <laughs> it was Superman on TV, the Monsters, Batman on TV, that whole thing. Superman was only cool because he was a superhero. You know what I'm saying? And, and I don't, you know, people always ask me, you know, did, did you think that Superman was too white American? This and that. No, no, no. Superman just a little wishy-washy. The thing that was cool about Batman was the way it was filmed. You know, Batman and Robin with the Joker. Um, it was colorful. Every time they threw a punch or a kick, they would actually inject the comic book um, bands and bows. And t- so the Batman TV show was more... Um, cooler because it was more like a comic book the superman black and white one was a little bit i would say over our heads because it wasn't abbott and costello and it wasn't charlie chaplin but it still was superman so superman 
because of his, his influence in America as a whole, would make you go buy your mind. You would, you would have to go get Superman. But Batman was even cooler because not only was, was his, his books cool, his suit was cool or whatever, his, his gadgets was cool, on a TV show, the Green Hornet and Kato came to fight Batman and Robin, and Bruce motherfucking Lee was there. <laughs> and here's another thing about hip-hop. Hip-hop was always comic books. My, my, my childhood was comic books first, then it was hip-hop. No, it was comic books first, then it was kung fu movies, then it was Bruce Lee, then it was hip-hop. I remember like it was almost like right after Enter, Dra- Enter the Dragon came out, um, hip-hop dropped. And then even Marvel, they had Iron Fist and Shang-Chi. So it seemed like just Marvel was, was what, Marvel, put it like this, Marvel was hip-hop. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that was the whole appeal of it. Yeah, and because and, Marvel, they, the, the comics just felt more fun. You know, they, they were, they were right. brighter, cheerful. And, you know, DC, they, they put a lot, yes. of, a lot of great comics, great characters, but it's almost like they were right. more serious. And to some extent today, it, it's, it's still a lot like that where, you know, they, you know, you got the, the Dark Knight and, you know, everything's, you know, Superman's, you right. know, he's, I, I love Superman. I love them in the 80s. And, you know, he, he you know, he, even though he sometimes he was a little stiff. But the Marvel, right. it was just such just this bright, colorful world, and the fact that it was in New York City, like like you said, where right. a lot of DC books, you know, you had Gotham City, you had Metropolis, you had you know these made up cities. But I had I had Justice League, I had Justice League, I had um um. See, I think my brother, my brother actually got me into comic books too. He was three years older than me, but um, my brother, he's a big Star Trek dude, like he's a, a Trekkie. So me and my brother, the funny story about how I got into hip-hop also, too, is this. My brother introduced me to comic books. He was strictly Marvel. Me just being, I guess, younger also, and just being a fan. No, my problem was... I, I didn't just read the comics. I wanted to draw because I could draw. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So when I would go to the store and buy my Spider-Man or whatever, I would pick up Justice League. I would pick up the Green Lantern. Um, I would pick up Superman. I would pick up a Batman. And so, but Marvel was me and my brother's mainstay. And I remember when hip-hop first came out, you know, when I was a kid, because of comic books, I put my blanket on. I'm pretending I'm Superman. I take my favorite blanket and a safety pin pin it on and my mother's whole day was boy stop that jumping up there <laughs> boy if you jump again you know what i'm saying sit your ass down get 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 that blanket off your neck and go sit down for 20 minutes you know what i'm saying so i was always getting trouble jumping around trying to pretend i was batman and superman now when hip-hop came over the bridge not for show business or money or fortune and fame most of the young people in the, in the neighborhood all the young kids that was like probably 16 and younger we wanted to be Flash. We wanted to be Africa Bambada. Me and my brother, we had a little problem, though. Um, the guys that were working summer jobs and the guys that really had jobs, or if you were selling drugs, you had money. So if you had money, you could just go out and buy two turntables of mixer and go to the record store and buy the duplicate records the DJ way. Me and my brother, we didn't have jobs. My mother and father wasn't giving us enough money for, uh, with our allowance. And uh, we wasn't drug dealers, we wasn't stick-up kids, and we wasn't robbing houses. I mean, when I was 16, 17 years old, it would bug me out that 
you know, some of my friends, 14, 15, and 16, was robbing houses. I'm not going in nobody else's house. I'm scared to death of that. <laughs> so when hip-hop came over the bridge, I remember the morning vividly. My brother comes in the room, and he's like, yo, Daryl, we got to get some turntables. And he gave me this look, and I'm sitting in dreading what he was about to say. And my, my spirit's going, no, 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 don't say it. He said, yo, Daryl, we got to get the turntables. We got to sell some of our comic books. So my brother, he was older than me. We, hold, we held this comic book um, sale thing. I mean, we had massive, we was deep. We had a huge, the whole attic was filled wall to wall with all the issues of Marvel and stuff like that. And here's a funny story. One of the people that rung my doorbell, this is years before the Run DMC thing, was a young man named Joseph Simmons and his friend Harold. Yes, Run even came to my house, brought some comic books, and went home. <laughs> Six years later, we wound up forming this group and all of that stuff like that. Did you get your so, comics um, back? You know, huh? Did you get your comics back? So no, you I never got the comic back. <laughs> but I'll, I'll never forget that. that he heard Daryl McDaniels. You know, me and Ron went to the same elementary school. So he comes. So even Ron was a him and Harold came over. I feel, you know, and I always tell people that story. So our whole existence was comic books, kung fu movies, and, um, and um, hip-hop. And, you know, that's why the Wu-Tang is in it. Um, Pete Rock, um, um, Tech 9 there's so much influence of the music culture that is that was um empowered by these comic books you know the comic books damn near gave wu-tang all their personal comic books and kung fu movies so it was there already but i think my love of it my love of it was also extended because once i um learned to draw them without the tracing paper i had a problem because i used to always draw superheroes in my textbooks at school and I used to draw my teachers crazy because they used to tell me, stop drawing. They used to always call me in the hallway and say, what the hell is going through your mind? And, you know, it was crazy. And because I could draw, every time it was a, like a class project, everybody would want, Daryl, can you do mine? Can you draw mine? Can you do mine? So, I mean, the comic books gave me prestige. Comic books also gave me confidence. Um... And what I mean by the confidence, comic books always also gave me confidence and it also gave me release because I went to Catholic school. And, you know, when you look at the whole geek nerd thing, you know, I went through the whole time of being bullied, you know, and, and it was a little difficult for me living in Hollis, Queens, because the school that I went to, I went to the school called St. Pascal Bayline. It was about a seven or eight block walk from my house. So to get from my house on 197th Street, to my my uh, elementary Catholic school on 200th Street and 112th Avenue, it was probably like a 20-minute walk, but it was the most horrendous journey of my life because on the way, the public school kids would see me, and I always tell a story. It's funny. Their mentality is, oh, you got on a uniform. You go to Catholic school. Your mother and father is rich because they pay for you to go to school. Run it. So I got my lunch money taking all the time and it was kind of miserable when I had the uniform on to get to school and get back. But when I get back home, just from being in this world where I got all these mean kids around me, um, you know, I'm going through the ups and downs of just being a kid in school, dealing with peer pressure and, 
you know, crushes on my uh, my second grade teacher, Miss Peterson. She was a sly lady, and I was I never got a chance at all. But I would come home, and everything in my life would change when I dove into the world of comic books. And you know, being a smart student. You know, I tell people now, don't stop the kids. The reason why I excelled in hip-hop was because of comic books. Also, the reason why I excelled in school and reading and writing is because I read comic books. And, you know, I would learn about World War II in school, you know, the, the scholastic way. But I would come home and read Captain America. It took me to World War II. It, you know, even though the Red Skull and Captain America was in his comic book, they still dealt with the time period, the Nazis and wars and guns and all the issues that came from it. Iron Man taught me about science and robotics and technology, the vision. I remember when the vision came out. Um, so everything that I was getting in real life, that's why I always tell people, comic books ain't no fantasy, they're real. <laughs> people look at it like we're crazy. I'm about to punch them in the head. Because everything that, especially with Marvel, everything Spider-Man lived in Queens, he swung by the 59th Street Bridge and the tram, you know, stuff that really existed. It puts you in that world, but it puts you in the world, even though it was, a, it was a fantasy. When I read those comic books, I felt empowered to the part, part where, as I started, this is before I started actually working out, but then it got to the point where the next time... This dude smacked me, this bully smacked me on the back of the neck. I'm going to go Bruce Banner on the motherfucker. And then, you know, by the time I got 16, 17 years old, I was always bigger than everybody. And Run used to always say, D, you ain't scared no more. He didn't know what my energy was, you know what I'm saying? And it got to a point where the bully stopped messing with me because I would turn into Bruce Banner. And the Hulk became my favorite superhero. It was, it was Hulk, but read, growing up reading... Captain America was my dude, though. Captain America and Bucky and all that. But comic books empowered me, uh, gave me confidence, but it also educated me. So, you know, people like to say comic books is fantasy. No, comic books just takes you away to another universe. Like, my book, my book is real about D. Like, it's not DMC, the rapping superhero. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to hit you. I'm here to get you. And this and that. I never said, no. Listen, in this universe right now, you brought my first cassette. You know my music. We're talking on the phone. This, this Daryl McDaniels here in this universe, in this time, in this galaxy, Daryl McDaniels, Hollis Queens, New York, Catholic school kid, grew up to be DMC, the king of rock, the third member of Run DMC. In a comic book, the exact same Daryl McDaniels, me, I never meet Run. I grow up and realize I'm, I have special powers. So the comic book is about this kid named Daryl McDaniels who goes, goes to St. John's, goes to the university, this and that. Along his way, little things are starting happening, and he realized that he has a bigger purpose than he could complete um, that, that, he, that, he could, that he could even comprehend on. The same way that um, Run put me in the group, and, you know, at the age of 35 in this, this world right here, I found out that I was adopted. I didn't, and everybody knew. My mother and father knew. My, you know, my adopted parents knew. My brother, Alfred, who's their biological, who I round about, son of Bifred, brother of Al. <laughs> Santa's my mother and Run's my pal. 
It's McDaniels, not McDonald's. These rhymes are Daryl's. Those burgers are Ronald's. I ran down my family tree. My mother, my father, my brother, and me. Um, <laughs> my therapist told me that was you, your spirit, proclaiming who you are. And I didn't even know I was adopted there. But when I look at the similarities of what happened in my real life to what's going on in this book, what happened to me had to happen, you know what I'm saying, or else I would have never became the king of rock. And everything for me makes sense because, uh, like I said, you know, people will say, you know, run to you, see you dudes was like a superhero. One of the things that also gave me confidence to do this comic book is about seven or eight years ago, Rolling Stone magazine, they did, they did an article on Run DMC. What the hell is so great about them? And they went out and asked, you know, people from my generation, other musicians, other rappers, what the hell is so, why, why, why Run DMC? You know, why, what makes them the kings of rock for real and the pioneers? And, you know, everybody said what they said. But Chris Rock said something funny. He said, yo, Run and Jay were cool, but DMC was like our superhero, the way he looked. And the way he sounded, his whole delivery, and when I read that, this was years ago, I said, oh, my God, they're on to me. I'm about to be discovered. But when Chris Rock said that, he saw that it was there without even thinking it was there. You know what I'm saying? That whole comic book presence. And comic books damn near raised me. Yeah. I mean, point. I, yeah, because I, I, I grew up watching, like, like repeats of, like, Super Friends and, and Spider-Man and you know, I, right. I I did the same thing. Then it was like middle school is when I started reading comics, and I, I remember when uh, Spider Man got his alien costume, and it was you know then you find out it, it's a, a symbiote, and it's talking about symbiosis. And then I remember right. years later taking biology, and we're talking about symbiosis. I was like, I I learned that like years right. ago. Yeah, exactly it, right. I mean, they, they they were very they were very real. You yeah. know, they were very 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 real, yeah. and you know. That's the the beauty of it. Yeah, and 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 so you mentioned Deathlock before. I, I, yeah, I remember that was the last that was the last comic that I read because the crazy thing is I was I'm writing my memoirs right now and I was I'm telling the guy that's writing a book. Look, I kind of remember eighty four, eighty five, but eighty six up until about down with the king was a fucking blur because you know here I am right out of high school into the music business in the into into stuff I never heard of. What the hell is MTV? What the hell is the Rock and Roll of Fame? What the hell is going on? But the last comic book, um, and my brother actually brought it home, and I just took it over from him. And I used to just love um, um, Deathlock because um, the one on TV didn't impress me because mm -hmm. I'm like, where is Putter? Remember the computer that used to talk to uh, him? Yep. And Deathlock, damn, they used to cuss him out. Like, I don't need to be talking to you right now. I mean, <laughs> Deathlock was, you know what? You know what's cool about Deathlock? Deathlock was Walking Dead, Star Wars, um, and all these intergalactic adventures that are now in Hollywood. Deathlock was way before his time. As a comic book, in the way it was written. Remember, he used to go down into the subway, and then the mutants would come, and so, you know, you was, getting, you was getting this walking dead, vampire, futuristic, rebel-type, not-give-a-fuck motherfucker who's kind of like Daryl from The Walking Dead already, you know what I'm saying? And Deathlock was the last comic book series that I paid for because I had to put the, the, the pick up the mic and go on the damn road. 
Well, Deathlock was amazing. Deathlock, Deathlock, that shit was like a movie. If you was to pick up a Deathlock book, it's it's so it's so um totally engulfing. Mm-hmm. It was a little. It was so. And it, and it was so different for me, you know. Um, and the death. What was cool about Deathlock? It was um. It was the six million dollar man on fucking steroids, mm-hmm. you know, because he had the bionic parts. The motherfucker died, and I just love. It was so. Um, it was. It was like a damn movie because remember, um, he couldn't go back and say hi to his wife and kid, and he would just sit outside the house and look at them. And um, it was Deathlock was amazingly engulfing yeah i i because i remember the first time i read him it was it was a issue of captain america and captain america went to this like alternate earth and then you know he's you know fighting this yes. and I, I was yes. I, I was like who is this guy just it was, it was like blowing me away and then i remember a few right. years later marvel put out like a, a like a four issue uh prestige series and i was like wait this is a different guy this isn't Deathlock. and and now there's been so many different versions so it, it, right. it, it's weird. And, and there's a, a new series coming out in October, uh, a new ongoing really? series. Yeah. Um, Nathan Edmondson, I, I believe, is going to be writing it. So you, you might have to check that oh, out. Oh, wow. See, he's, he's, yeah, he's. That's going to be interesting. I, you know, that's a, that's a good thing about uh, him being on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. You know, it, it may not be true to the character, but I, I think it right, kind of sparked it's the interest. Right, part of the right. Yeah, people part are like, the, part of the existence. Yeah, like, oh yeah, remember that that guy? Yeah, let's let's bring him yeah. back. And so of course, no, yeah. man, don't get me wrong. I was excited that he, wow, this is dope. <laughs> yeah, you know I'd, I'd, but I'm, you know, the way they make the movies now, I'm like, they they need to do it the way they do it on the movies on the TV set and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah, but I mean, and it's, you know, the funny thing is, a lot of the kids now going into movies. Hopefully they go to the comic books because you know, uh, graphic novels, stuff like The Walking Dead and stuff like that. People see these series on TV, but then they go read the books and they find out the books is better than um, you know, the TV series. Mm-hmm. Like The Walking Dead, they're telling me Game of Thrones. They're telling me D. If you, I've, I've never watched that, but right now I, I was Walking Dead is number one. Um, True Blood is about to go off the air. Um, I just saw Spider-Man yesterday with the, um, you know, the, not, not the Toby Keith one, the new one. My son is, uh, my son is funny. He's a big, 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 like big, 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 big Spider-Man head fan because of the most recent Spider-Man movies. You know what I'm saying? You know, he got, he's, I'm going to get a Spider-Man tattoo now, this and that. I said, what do you like about this Spider-Man? Now, he's, he's witty, he's funny. You know what I'm saying? I was okay, so now you're experiencing what I was getting from a comic book. He's getting from the movie. So hopefully he's able to start picking up the comic books. Yeah, because, I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it's amazing, like, how many you know, millions of people go to see movies, but, you know, that doesn't translate to the number the of people book. that buy comics. And, and you know, I, I've said it, like, a million times. Like, you know, when, when they put out these big you know, comic book movies, they need to put like a, like a a commercial at the beginning, you know, attach a trailer saying, you know, go to your local comic store. Why do they do that? I said that, I wonder why it's bad marketing because they're greedy fucks. It's, it's, it's it's like, that's that's what what I said, see, they ain't doing it right. If you can make the movie, but then you should say, you need to, right, they should do a fucking trailer, go pick up the damn books, they should show people that they exist. Some of the motherfuckers don't know that they still exist. Yeah. Yeah, they they need. You're right. Right, they need to start right. 
Yeah, this Eric, is from here. And I guarantee you, you're so happy with the movie, you'll go discover something. Mm-hmm. The whole discovery of new worlds and new ideas and new, new, um, new, new platforms of communication. You're right. Every time Marvel do a movie, but the, the, the movie people don't care. That's like the guys putting out hip-hop records. They don't care about the fucking audience. They just care about the dollars they're making off the product they're selling. Yeah, because like I, I remember when when Avengers came out, like at the end, you know, you, you see Thanos, and and on our site, because right. uh, I had done a video like before, just it was a, a three minute uh-huh. video on on who Thanos is, and and then after the movie came out, everyone's like, like who is that guy? And then and then right the the traffic just on the on the page and the video, people started watching because you know they they want to know more, and and that's of course that's what what they should do. It's like okay, you know, here's this teaser. Here, you know, here's the, the scene right. after the credits. Now go to your comic store yep. and you can find out more before the next right, movie comes out. Exactly, because then when you go see the movie, it'll make your adventure even more better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's that true. Is like, like after they're just getting the movie served to them in one. The, the movie's great because it's you know the technology's crazy, but the experiencing the comic book character in one dimension. You write about that. Yeah, but it, it's just so hopefully I gotta change that. Yeah. Because, you know, you, you got the, you, that, you have the comic. Right, so I got to tell, just like I said, you ain't like, you know, technology stuff is good. And it's good for the DJs. The DJs that use Serato and all this digital stuff, it's good because they look at me and I, I feel for them. D, I don't have to carry around my crates of vinyl anymore. <laughs> and, it, you know, it used to be hard for DJ Slide. It used to be hard as hell for Jay Traveling because he got to get crates of records. Jay, you got the records. But now it's almost like, you can't be down with these Marvel movies. You, you're not officially down with superheroes unless you read the comic. It's the same thing that we say. You are not a DJ unless you did use two turntables and vinyl. Mm-hmm. You can't just take DJ lessons and then start going to fucking Vegas and DJing at clubs and be called a DJ unless you forget Run DMC's Walk This Way vinyl. Unless you had two original Aerosmith Walk This Ways that you DJed back and forth, up and down with the crossfader, you're not a DJ unless you use two techniques, turntables, or whatever they were, two turntables and real records out of record box you're not a real dj same thing for all these one now i sound like a um <laughs> um a, a wrestler a bitter wrestler <laughs> same thing for all these wannabes that think they could go see spider-man and the avengers inside a movie theater and then come out and think they're down with our superhero culture <laughs> they're not official unless you read the comic book and that's good for me because I'm not trying to put out. I don't even want to make money with my comic book. I want to have fun and I want to go to comic cons and I want to talk to artists and I might have to pick up my pen. I'm a little rusty. I still got muscle memory from when I used to draw. Mm-hmm. Like my little, I've been sketching there, but I remember I used to, um, matter of fact, the first issue one of the DMC comic book, the cover was drawn by Sal Boshima. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I picked Sal Buscema, he was the artist that defined my childhood. Yeah. He was he was the guy that made me. Uh, I loved the way he drew Captain America and the Hulk and all those superheroes. And my Captain America love comes from him. And a funny story with him is um, 
when Ed asked me, he said, D, for issue one, we need, you know, who was your favorite artist growing up? Or, you know, what was the artist that defined your child? And I was like, it was Sal Bushema. So Ed takes it upon himself to call up Sal Bushema. He gets him on the phone. You know, Sal Bushema, he's a little older than me. And, you know, he talks to Sal. And Sal's like, you know, yeah, cool, cool. All right, you know, because he's an artist. It's what he do. So Sal hangs up. And um, Sal told Ed this one after they, they spoke. And then, you know, Ed spoke to him a couple of days later. So when they spoke again, Sal goes to Ed. He says, um, yeah, you know, when I got off the phone with you, you know, I didn't really know about this DMC guy run thing, this hip-hop thing. So, you know, when I got off the phone with you, I went to my son. And I was like, son, um, I get a call from this editor that's working with some hip-hop rap guy run DMC who said they want me. Dad, you got to do that cover. Don't you know who that is? And because of the son giving his father the 411 and the 911 urgency of why he should do this cover, the artist that defined my childhood is doing issue number one. And I, I just thought that's a funny story because, you know, Sal, he, he, he's a little, you know, he probably listened to the Grateful Dead and, you know, and the Stones and the Rolling Stones, you know, the Beatles and stuff. But I just think that's a funny story. But Sal Bushema, he was actually the guy that I used to trace everything, his art to find my whole childhood and then have him to do the cover it's full circle. And another thing I told Ed, well, collectively, me, Ed, and Riggs Morales, we said, also this book will be a, um, um, a way for all the future artists and writers to have an opportunity. And even more importantly, such as Sal Bushima, all the ones that did what they did, you know, the, to, to make this kind of a culture the great culture that it exists as anyway, but also there's probably, you know, I'm 50 years old. So there's probably a guy 50, there's probably dudes between 50, 65 years old who are great artists that never got a chance to draw for Marvel and DC. There's probably some guy that's, you know, the man Jack Kirby was my idol, but never got the contract. I never got the chance. My DMC Daryl makes comics imprint. will is for all artists, writers, pencilers, Anybody who has any artistic or anything to express through the the venue of comic books, they will get the chance. I would love to have a 60-year-old guy, you know, drawing one of my books or the little 16-year-old kid that is – I was at Comic-Con last year in New York, and this young guy walks up to me. I think he was from the Philippines, and he gives me this artwork, and it's the most exquisite fine-tuned presentation of artistic use of a person's ability. And I asked him, how old are you? He said, I'm 16 years old. And I was like, wow, me and Ed was like, we're going to be calling you one day. (laughs) And also women. Also women. The good thing about my comic book is um, the DMC character is just the first superhero in this universe. It's not going to be a thousand issues of my boring ass. That's corny. It ain't the rapping superhero. None of that. I'm just the first superhero in this universe we're presenting to you. So by issue, issue, let's say by issue 32, you're probably going to fall in love with the other hero and not care about me as much anymore. Or you'll fall in love with the villain. Who knows? But more importantly... Like I said, we're trying to give all ages, all nationalities, all demographics, all sexes a chance 
to celebrate, participate in this tribute celebration of comic book culture. Um, the significant thing, the unique thing about our books is every issue will be drawn, it will have four artists' interpretations. And the reason why we did that is because if a superhero like DMC was really running around, it's almost like the thing that just happened in Ferguson. All of these witnesses keep coming out on television telling their stories. You know, it's probably driving the law guys crazy, but everybody who is not the first, the first dude that was with uh, Michael Brown when he got killed, he told his stories. Now all these other witnesses are telling their stories, and they said this on CNN. All these stories got different variations. So if there was a DMC running around, you know, one guy would say, nah, nah, I'm telling you, man, he came out of flying saucer, he had wings on his back, and another dude would be, no, 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 the motherfucker came out, he was riding on a skateboard. So everybody's description of this DMC guy running around the city fighting crime in the midst of all these other superheroes that are supposed to be the heroes for the people, um, everybody's story was different. So to show the difference in... Um, how DMC would really be received. Each or there'll be di four different interpretations of the art every time DMC shows up to show that you know people tell their story, people see and hear things differently. So that's the fun. That's also a real life element that we put in with the comic book and you know with the DMC character. I don't want to give away no storylines, but there's other so-called heroes running around. But these other so-called heroes have agendas, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? And um, they have biases and prejudices, and they're only, it's almost like a lot of our leaders now. They only lead, become leaders to help a certain people or help themselves. DMC is the only superhero that is for everybody, sort of like how, you know, Run DMC was with our music. Like, when, when you see music, you don't see, um, you don't see, um, color. When I did Jay-Z's Made in America, everywhere I go now, people telling me I should run for politics. And I'm like, oh, hell no. And I ain't with that organized religion either. But I had said music succeeds where politics and religion fails. But now I, I go back to that thing and, and you could just replace music with the arts, whether it's poetry, whether it's writing, whether it's cinema, whether it's um, playwriting, um, whether it's sculpting, every revolution begins with the arts. Most of the knowledge communicated to all people, no matter what it is, comes through the arts. When you think about a revolution, or when you think about a dictatorship or a tyrant, what's the first thing evil leaders do? Go to a museum, burn down the museum, burn the books, pull the fucking paintings off the wall, destroy all the books written so they get sold up. Every revolution starts with the arts. Hopefully, you know, I can touch people the same way I did it with my music. You know, Run DMC, people said Run DMC was fucking hard, man. Run DMC is the hardest shit ever. But if you look at, listen to our lyrics, they wasn't glorifying violence. We wasn't disrespecting women. And, um, you know, we, we, me and Run only cursed actually on two or three records. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. if I could use the arts to um, educate, motivate, and inspire, but at the same time, everything that I got from a comic book 
when I was younger. And, you know, the world was ill back then, wars and politics, drugs, gangbanging. You know, I tell the little kids, man, so y'all, see, y'all just got Crips and Bloods. When I was younger, we had this black spades, seven spades, seven crowns, seven immortals, black skulls, savage skulls, savage nomads, nomads. It was crazy as a little kid growing up in New York City in my era. So to to relate to people socially, um, emotionally, and historically, we didn't, this isn't a 1980s comic book per se. The time period is based on the 80s. Why? Because when you walked into New York City in the 80s, even though it was fucked up, it was very visual. The graffiti was on the wall. Um, and people don't realize in the 80s, it wasn't, hip-hop wasn't the only dominant culture. Disco was dying, but you also had punk rock. You had the Ramones, you had Lou Reed. Debbie Harry even made a rap song and talked about Grandmaster Flash. Fat, fat, Freddie tell me that Flash is cool. So when we would play downtown, the Beastie Boys, before they were a rap group, was a punk rock group. Mm-hmm. When we used to play downtown, it was the black and Latino hip hoppers from the Bronx and Manhattan and Harlem coming downtown to the village to all the clubs. They were hanging around all the punk rockers and all the musicians. So when you read my book, you're going to see um, the fashion. You're going to see the style. You're going to see the look. You're going to get... Um, everything that was the 80s, but it's not um, definitive just placed in the 80s. You know, that whole 80s vibe, you know, nowadays you, you look at these hip-hoppers, everybody want to wear the big old chain now all of a sudden, and everybody want to look, and that's because the art of hip-hop is so empty right now. These people that's doing it now, um, they're looking for acceptance, but you can't put that gold chain on and those sneakers on unless you have that integrity. And that's the beautiful thing about our book. And our book, what's good about our book is we can deal with the social issues. Um, one of the things that me, Riggs, and um, Edgardo said we're going to talk about, we could talk about political issues. We could talk about social issues such as AIDS and drug use. Uh, we could talk about um, homophobia. We could talk about the disrespect of women. We could talk about, um, you know, the wars going on, right, the um, corrupt governments and corrupt corporations, all of that, everything that we, or we, everybody that's alive on the face of the earth, everything that we experience will be in my book. And another thing that's cool about my book is this, you know, me running Jay, we bugged out in 86 when we went overseas to Japan and we got off the plane and everybody had on Adidas with no laces, Adidas, gazelles. <laughs> And, and, you know, and, and, and the Godfather hats and the Kangos and stuff like that. So globally, every place that hip-hop did have a big impact, and especially overseas. Over here in America, hip-hop is fucked. It's like in, in Germany, in Europe, and in Asia, they celebrate and they embrace the culture. You know what I'm saying? It ain't about who's number one, who sold the, mess, who sold the most records, and who's dating who. They don't deal with that. They don't even like Hummer. They don't like the, what's hot here is not hot overseas. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They love, and another thing is, they don't put, they don't put you in the, the category of, oh, old school is old now. They respect Wu, Wu-Tang for what it is. They expect 
on the old school. They respect old school for what it is, and they respect all the new guys for the individual things that they bring to the total as artistically. So globally, every issue that I have here in the United States, when we do translate it, they already know what hip-hop is and what it stands for. So I don't have to do a hip-hop, because they know I'm hip-hop, but my comic book is the real deal. And like I said earlier, everything that I always did was um, with integrity. You know, when I go speak at high schools and middle schools, all the kids, you know, hopefully when I leave there, and it ain't even got to be about comic books. I always go speak on hip-hop, on education, and what real hip-hop is about. And when I leave there, you know, I'll go on um, my Twitter or whatever, stuff like that, and kids will say, I always thought that, you know, Run DMC and the old school shit stuff was my mother and father's music, but now... I don't even like the stuff that's out now. I wish I was alive in their era. <laughs> so this comic book is going to be another extension of that. You know, hopefully um, we can get kids to go read comic books. You know, I'm going to go talk at school. I'm going to go speak at these middle schools. And then I'm going to go home. And the kids will go home like they usually do. Mommy, um, at assembly today, this guy, DMC, came through here and whatever, whatever. And... When they go home and their mother says, well, look at this Walk This Way video, and they discover my music and everything that I'm talking about, the mother and father will even be, oh, my God, he has a comic book out. And that's something that I could bring to these families. Mm -hmm. You know, everything that Byford and Banner gave me, everything that hip-hop gave me, everything that I got in my generation, because there's not a generation gap. It's like you said, it's an information gap. Tell the motherfucking kids that this came from a comic book. They'll pick up the comic book and be like, oh, wow. Because um, I was just given the first, um, they, they re-released, Image re-released um, a volume of the Walking Dead episodes. And the reason why I think this is important to me, because I'm a Walking Dead fan of this show, and there's, there's fans of the, um, the Game of Thrones series on TV. Now, everybody who I talk to Walking Dead about the show says, D, if you like the show, you gotta read. You you gotta read the books because the books is better. So now I'm gonna start reading again. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And that's the beauty. That's why it's important that you just bug me out that they don't tell the motherfuckers this came from the comic books. But I'm gonna change that because now I'm gonna start saying it. I think things is gonna change. Is yo? I just saw DMC on the interview, and they asked him, you know. Why did we do Walk This Way? And he just started blabbing about, if you go see the Marvel movies and don't read the comic books, you ain't down with us. <laughs> That's going to make a big impact on people. Now, how, how, so I, I've read your, the, the first issue, I'll say. I'm uh -huh. happy to say. I, I did. I really enjoyed it. Um, I'm a little bummed that I have to wait now for the, the second issue. Because you know this has well, come out till I'll I'll give you a little teaser. <laughs> the second issue is on the way. It's in production right now. Well, not production. It's being um, assembled. Because how often is this going to come right out? Now. Every three months. Okay. Because I, I say it's it's a it's a it's it's not a, a regular comic book. It's it's a graphic novel. I mean, it's it's going to be right right every three months. Okay, that that's good. And I I, I kind of like that you're doing that because you, you get more at once. And you know that's that's the whole thing. You know, do you buy right. single issues? You buy the trade. So I kind of like the idea yeah. of that you're you're forcing us to do that because you know. Yeah. So it it you but get. I, that's kind of fun. That's I mean that's kind of fun. You know, and um I think what it does is it makes it. Uh, 
the reason why that it wasn't a marketing plan now that you're telling me that I'm like wow now I'm even excited now <laughs> I want to see number two I remember when, when, when Ed brought me the whole finished thing and we sat there and read it from start to finish it wasn't like it was me I was like a fan I was like bro oh, this is cool it wasn't a marketing thing uh, one of the things that we want this comic book to be whether it's a girl reading a kid reading it an adult reading it um, the whole process of 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 um being in this universe, we want it to be an, an experience. Mm-hmm. And if, the, you know, the way, the timeline between issues, if the, we don't want to wait too long where you get bored and say, oh, fuck it, and fall out of, you know, the enthusiasm for it. But we don't want to be too quick either. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We want to bring you into this universe. It's almost like, oh, shit, I saw DMC. And it was three months later till you seen him again after he just finished the four. You roll, you roll a port in DMC in the alleyway and he just got his ass kicked. Mm. And that's 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 a little um, seed I'm planting here. I'm not the invincible. I'm a bad motherfucker. I'm badass, mm-hmm. but I ain't gonna win all the time either. <laughs> all right, I don't want to keep you too long. I mean, it's it's been great talking to you, but. Uh, people need to go to their comic store. They need to say, "Hey, order DMC number one from from DMC Makes Comics." And and and, and the reason why is because it's fun. Exactly, and that's it. It's fun. Yes, and and like you said, it's something that everyone can read. And and so. yeah, it is. That's that's one thing. We, you know, because um, when I was speaking to Ed, it was like, you know, sometimes. They, 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 I hate the separation of it. Like this might be too deep for the kids, or this might be too kiddy for the adults. But we want to give it to where everybody, which is kind of like my music. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You know, uh, there was a lot of people that said, "Yo, when I brought Raising Hell home, my mother was like, no, no, no.'" But then when she sat down and listened to it, she was like, "Oh, okay, cool. This is safe." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. It's 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 been wonderful talking to you. Um, we definitely we, thank you. I hope to see you. So you're up in San Francisco. Yeah, I'll, I'll, see I'll you be in at one day. I'll be at New York Comic Con. So oh, we, okay. We, we'll definitely we'll we'll do something there. We can do like you know yeah, video look, interview. Look for me, man. How at us when you get to town. I will. I want to meet you. Well, indeed. So thank you so much. And again, I enjoyed the comic and can't wait till people yeah. actually get to see it. Well, thank you, thank you. I'm doing my best to 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 to, to um, keep the integrity of our culture, man. Yeah, and anytime you want to come back on the show, you you can anytime you got the time. Oh, bet I'll give you a holler. Like when we get some, once once we get issue two, and then we'll come drop you a seed so you could be the guy. That, I'm the only one that got this right now. Check this out. All right, I, like that. I like that. <laughs> yep, yep. All right, thank you so much. Thank you, Tony. See you soon, man. Definitely. So that was. Daryl DMC McDaniels. Uh, I, I'm, I'm done. That, that's the show. Thanks for listening. I mean, it, it's, it's been a blast. I had a big grin on my face the entire time. Check out DMC. Talk to, go to your comic store. Say, hey, I want DMC number one. It, it's a graphic novel. It's, it's oversized. It's, it's, yours. it's gonna be cool. So definitely check that out. All right. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back again next week. I'm I'm going to go and and catch my breath now after that experience. So, so my question, my question is, is, could it be? We don't know. I would like to ask you which comic book does affect you most emotionally. Yep. That's the question. I'll shake your shake. This is a John Byrne.